Hey race fans, welcome to Talking Stock. Let's go. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 11 of Talking Stock. Nova's playing us in as usual. I'm Kyle, I'm here with my co-host Trey. Trey, how you doing? Hey Kyle, it's been a little while. I uh, was on vacation last week, so wasn't able to get in the studio to record, uh, but excited to be back. Talk a couple races, preview a race, a lot of uh, news throughout the sports. Uh, pretty excited for today's episode. Yeah, it's going to be jam-packed, I'm pretty sure. This is uh, recording for the first time live in a couple weeks. This is August the 2nd. Trey, you were on vacation. How was the trip? It was great. Went down to Florida with uh, with my girlfriend and her family. Did a lot, saw a lot, enjoyed the sun. Uh, happy to be back, though. A little more relaxing temperature up here uh, now, not 95 degrees. So guess there's uh, good and bad with everything. Certainly, for sure. But Trey, so we do a pre-recorded show. We talk off the air saying, you know, maybe nothing too big will happen, right? So then the race is going on at Pocono is the show that we don't have a, a recap for. And I think a couple things happened. It was weird. And the show just kind of popped off if we could have done it. But, of course, we didn't record it. Um, we had to do a pre-recorded show. But sometimes that's how it works out. Can't really stop that. But, Trey, I got to ask. I'm going to get your opinion on this first because I'm pretty sure everybody knows where I'm sitting on the fence. Pocono, controversial ending. I think a great race to give it its just praise. But what do you think of that last last little bit of the race there? Give me your give me your feedback on it. Yeah, so I want to preface this with uh, I saw bits and pieces of the races, watched it recorded. So saw the ending, saw it. I saw it all on Twitter before I got to see it, like sitting down on TV. So I think it was an okay move. I mean, it's racing, you know, moving somebody out of the groove happens every single week and if you want to say that it doesn't then you're wrong um there's guys like dale earnhardt senior seven-time champ there's guys like jimmy johnson seven-time champ they all did it to win races because that's what you have to do and even more so now in these next gen cars that are so equal across the board especially when you're talking denny hamlin from jgr and kyle larson from hendrick motorsports that their equipment is so similar. There's almost no way to to physically get that edge um, besides pulling a move that, to me, is pretty clean. He didn't dump him. He just moved him out of the groove. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that NASCAR fans, and you know, as a Gibbs fan, I'm sure you, know, you can point the finger all day long, um, specifically as a Hamlin fan. But basically, when it comes to racing, there's, there's your outright dumping somebody. There's that was uncalled for, and then there's rubbing is racing. Um, this falls for me into the the rubbing is racing category. Um, uncalled for and dangerous, I would say, is Chase Elliott's move at Charlotte. That is a right rear hook in the dog leg, dangerous move. Um, you might come back and say unnecessary was you know maybe Hamlin's dump at uh against Elliott uh in 2017. You know, like you can you can go back and forth all day long, but basically. This is an undercut move. It isn't a great move if you're a Kyle Larson fan. Um, but I think if you want excitement in the sport, that is what that move brings. 
Uh, I think my favorite take online right now is the Denny Hamlin is a hypocrite crowd. Um, there are so many races. If you watch as a Hamlin fan, if you just go over the last like three years where you sit back and say, wow, we had that thing won and we got pummeled and it cost us a race. And the take now is that Hamlin is some sort of hypocrite because his actions are changing. But the fact of the matter is it is adapt or die. And I think what has kept Denny from winning a championship is perhaps maybe some aggressive driving that if you have, if you haven't noticed how Harvick is racing, the older guys do not care anymore. They are getting to the point where they are like all hands are out the window. So I think that you're not dealing with so much of a hypocrite, but so much of a change in opinion. And I think when you're racing Kyle Larson for the win at Pocono, you're going for the track record. Uh, you're, if you listen to the 11 radio, they go seven fifty six hundred, which is, Seven wins at Pocono, which is a record. 50 wins, which is a milestone achievement. And then 600 wins for Toyota. So it was a major moment. And that's going through your head and fueling that. I don't, now I'm not going to go completely off there. Then he touched him. There's no doubt. Like there, it's absolutely a, mostly an arrow thing there, but they touched. Like I'm not, and I think Hamlin knows that. But in the, if you also listen to the in car radio, when Hamlin's doing those interviews, Gabe Hart's telling him they did not touch. So, I get all sides of it. You know, it's it's been hashed out. It's over a week old news. But I think it is relevant to give it its fair shake. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I think it's rubbing his race. And if Kyle Larson runs Hamlin up the wall, then you know, so be it. That builds yeah. storylines. That builds drama. Yeah, I think if this is a move that we see, you know, lap five or lap 10, you know, then I think it's a different discussion. I think maybe it's too aggressive too early in the race. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't race each other the entire day, but I think you have to pick and choose your battles when you're going to be aggressive like that. But when you're talking, you know, the end of the race going for the win, it has to happen. I mean, I guess it doesn't have to happen, but it has to happen if you want to get the win. Um, if you want to secure that, that victory for yourself and for your team. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. I mean, and Dell jr. I think put in perspective, each one of those groups wants their driver to do exactly what they did. If you're a, uh, a mechanic on, on the Gibbs side, you want to see Hamlin go take that win. And if you are a fan of Larson, you want to see Larson be pissed off because he got run up the track. So I think that's a perfect way to put it. So credit to Dale for that. Uh, and I think that it encapsulates that whole thing perfectly. But I tell you what, both of those guys are having more incidents with each other because they're just up front all the time. There's no beef between them. Those guys are good friends. But when you want to win Cup Series races, an extremely difficult thing to do, you're going to have to get a little physical sometimes. But I think that that kind of gives that its due, its due justice there. We'll get into Richmond here in a second. But, Trey, as we mentioned, Pocono, um, and we'll get into, like I said, to Richmond, we got to go over our points uh, uh, section right here. So I did pick Hamlin to win, so I was more than enthusiastic over that move. That was great. I needed it for not only as a fan, but as a point standings. It caught me up. So with the Hamlin win, and, and me and Trey each scored some points for top fives over that stretch. So Trey went up plus three in that spin. I think I went up plus six. So the standings now read 17 to 12 Trey for those keeping score at home. But Trey, that leads us to Richmond. What a race. I thought it was really good. I want to say that the short tracks are on their way to being back. Yeah, absolutely. This was one of the more exciting short track races that we've seen in the in the next-gen car you know, wasn't a caution filled race. I think outside of the stage breaks, I think that there was one caution and that was the, the Suarez spin there late. And 
it was nice to see, you know, obviously the, the late race restarts are exciting and it was nice to see that NASCAR didn't throw that, that fake one for the French driver debris, you know, uh, which we've certainly seen in the past that there's a small speck of dirt on the, on the, on the track and NASCAR decides to throw the caution because they want to bunch it up and, uh, and get a, an exciting late race restart. Um, we had the late race restart. Chris Busher was Dominic Carr there at the end, and he held on to win. Really exciting race for for Chris and for the the entire RFK team. Uh, they've been running really well this year. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice to see uh, a win from that team. I think we've mentioned it a couple times, especially when we've gone over our picks, whether it's a top five or a race winner. RFK is on its way to becoming back. I love to see that. Uh, just like I like seeing Kyle Busch's success with Richard Childress, because at the end of the day, that's historical teams with a historical brand identity, and especially because they're Ford and Chevy, um, you know, kind of clashing there. But those are old school teams, old school owners, and it's good to see them back in the limelight. I was kind of, I won't lie, as much as I like Chris Busher, a very likable driver, I was rooting for Brad. I've been rooting for Brad all season. I do want to see him get a win as an over, owner driver, because clearly I know that Next Gen has probably even things and helped expedite the process. But the fact that they're winning races and competing almost weekly has everything to do with Brad Keselowski bringing some new stuff to the table. So I really am rooting for the six. But overall, great to see Chris Busher. And I think that kind of leads us to a point, Trey, where it's like you have the, the defending cup champion from Penske Racing. You have Ryan Blaney's gotten a victory lane. But is, is RFK the better four team this year? I think... Definitely in terms of exceeding expectations. I mean, the Penske team hasn't been terrible. I mean, the two has been abysmal. But, you know, Ryan Blaney has had his his share of uh, being at the top of the points and winning a race. Same with Joey Logano has been kind of keeping himself in the mix. But even overall, I think that that Chris Buescher and, and uh, Brad Kozlowski possibly have that, that RFK team as the best forward team. They've certainly competed week in and week out. They've been more consistent than Penske. Um, so, yeah, I, I would probably put them as the top four team. Yeah, I would still have to give the edge to Penske. But the fact that it's even a conversation is such an exciting like point of emphasis. Because I mentioned having RFK back. I just saw the picture yesterday, the day before, um, of Jack Roush with the car and the trophy and Brad and Chris. Uh, it's just good to see. Um, that is a major win for that organization. And I'm very excited for that as a fan because, you know, you always preach parody um, and you want to see as many teams get to victory lane. But, you know, this is a team that had it all, was one of the premier organizations and really falls off. So a resurgence of that's interesting to see. It's just like, you know, when you see a, a major league baseball team that's always sucked. Like it was exciting to see the Pirates back. Um, but, you know, that's a team that's won five World Series. So, I think that people need to appreciate, um, not that people aren't, but it really is nice to see. Uh, on, on the on the Ford note, though, I know we'll, we'll stick with that. It was a pretty good weekend for our buddies over at Stuart Haas Racing. We've been ripping them all season. But I tell you what, this was a good race for them. Yeah, they, they've not had the best season. They've actually had a terrible season. Um, I think that all four drivers, though, finished in the top 11, I believe it was, this week. Um, which is exciting for them. I, I like that Stuart Haas team. I'm a huge Tony Stewart guy. I know that you definitely feel the same there. Um, so seeing all of them and not just Kevin Harvick, you know, Kevin Harvick's the only one that's shown any kind of success this year. Uh, 
all run well, didn't get the win, but was certainly exciting to see that. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's an organization kind of, I think, in in limbo looking for an identity. Um, you know, there's obviously the major storyline of Kevin Harvick wrapping up his career. But I think that people, you know, almost have that December 24th syndrome where you just can't sleep and you're thinking about Christmas Day. I think people are thinking about 2024 for Stuart Haas and just like what that's going to look like. And, you know, who's going to wear that hat for them? Obviously, Josh Berry is a rookie next season. I think will be successful, especially with Rodney Childers. There's an immense talent with Chase Briscoe, but then you don't know what Eric Almirola is going to do. Ryan Priest has shown flashes this year, especially on short tracks. So it's just, it was nice to see a flash from them for the positive rather than this is an organization in decline. And this, I think, was a hopeful moment for them. And I, I expect that to also be present this week at Michigan. Um manufacturer conversation has kind of dominated us here. Trey, one more point I want to hit before we kind of get into what's happened this week and then previewing Michigan is Toyota has looked really solid the last few weeks, JGR specifically. And I want to ask you, are they the best manufacturers we had in this playoffs? And I'll preview that with the top three or four points, not playoff points, just regular season points. The points leader is Martin Truex. Second place is Denny Hamlin. Fourth place is Christopher Bell. And then in between all that is the 24 William Byron at third. So three of the four top cars in play and just regular points are Toyotas right now. Yeah, I think that Toyo Toyota would probably be considered the best team or the best manufacturer. Sorry, but that is definitely inflated from one. They have two teams. They have JGR and they have 2311 and JGR specifically has just been so dominant this year that I think that that kind of gets inflated. You know, if, if you were just looking at Chevy and all they had was, you know, Hendricks, you know, William Byron has four wins. I think Kyle Larson has two, obviously uh, Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman don't have any, um, but they've also missed time this year. So I think it kind of gets inflated when you're looking directly at one team specifically. And I don't think that that is, it is manufacturer driven that they are that good this year. Um, but JGR has just been has been the the class act of the field. Sure. So what you're saying is that you feel that Joe Gibbs Racing, and, and no disrespect to what Tyler Reddick and even Bubba Wallace have done, but you're saying that you feel like JGR is just the best team rather than this is a Toyota thing. That is exactly what I'm saying. I think that you know the 11, the 19, and the 20 have all been really good uh, for most of the year. I know that Christopher Bell the last couple of weeks has kind of been. Quiet, uh, but he's run well. And then even Ty, I mean, obviously he's a rookie, but he's competing for to try and drive his way in on points into the playoffs, uh, which would be impressive for a rookie, um, possibly even getting a win somewhere along the line. He's definitely had had speed throughout the throughout the year to maybe get into that. Um, but yeah, so JGR has been the best team overall. Sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'll throw it. I'll throw a quick one at you here. Over under final four. We're going to Phoenix. One and a half for Gibbs cars. One and a half is the over under. That's a tough question. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to say that both Denny and Martin get there. Ah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough conversation because then you got to factor in Ross Chain. Ross Chastain's look good. And he's like, you know, he's a final four guy from last year, but he's not like consistent week in and week out. He's just a wild card. Um, but then you factor in William Byron's been consistently fantastic. Kyle Larson's probably the best driver in the sport. And he, while up and down, you never know. Hendrick always brings a rocket ship. 
And I just saw a stat today that Toyota hasn't even led a lap at Phoenix in the next-gen car. So even if they sent to, I'm not sure it would matter. So it's definitely odd. And we're not even talking about the champion from last year, Joey Logano and a Ford. So I don't know, man. I, I, I obviously, as a Hamlin fan, am very excited for how that team's looked recently, putting some good finishes together. But I agree with a little bit of the inflation thing. Their last, like, month, month and a half sub, sub that Chicago uh, race have just been strong JGR tracks. I mean, those are just – it's just been their stretch. So as we kind of move on here, I won't be surprised to say in three weeks, is it is it is Penske the best team? I don't know. I think it's a good time for competition. But uh, I, I think that's a good point from you there. Um, going into this week, we got a bunch of new talking points kind of flowing out. Rumor mill, a muck. The first one we'll touch on, the 20 car in the Xfinity series, John Hunter Nemechek. They're talking about him, the legacy, Trey. That would be presumably the 42 car. What do you think's going on there? Yeah, and this is certainly nothing credible. It's just, you know, talking heads on on Twitter and social media there. Sorry, on X and social media there. Yeah, X, thank you. John Hunter is a big-time Toyota guy, always has been. So I would potentially – it makes sense why they would want um, him to move when Legacy moves to Toyota to move into that 42. I don't think that Gregson has, has been great this year, but he's also a rookie, so that – We've seen a lot of rookie drivers struggle in their first year. Um, so it makes sense. And then maybe Noah to that colleague uh, ride with uh, Justin Haley moving on. Um, so the movement makes sense. I'm just not sure if we'll see it. Kind of have to wait and see. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting move. Uh, if that were to happen, I would be really surprised with the success that Noah Gregson had in the Xfinity series. Granted, that was during a year that, was just historic for JRM. I mean, that was one of their best years. Um, So, I, I mean, that is what it is. If they were to move on from him, that would certainly seem quick to me. I mean, colleague, I mean, no offense to them as a subpar ride, I think, for where legacy is going. So that would be like pretty career derailing, in my opinion, of, um, of, of uh, Gregson, uh, if that were to go on that way. Um, but Nemechek, I mean, he's shown a lot. He's not impressed me in the Xfinity Series nearly as much as Gibbs did, where I feel like he's a shoe-in to dominate in the 42 car and even run a little bit better than than Gregson's running. I think Gregson, not that I'm a huge fan of his, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent on him, to be honest. But, I mean, Chevy is certainly giving Legacy no help right now because anything can be carried over to Toyota next year. So they're just kind of like, lost children sitting and waiting for the Toyota to pick them up at the end of the season. So such a weird time there. That would be a really weird thing to have happen, but stranger things have happened. I think it would be better if both of those guys were in the sport for sure. I think that improves the field. They're both quality drivers, but I'm not sure that that'll definitely happen. That's definitely a little strange, but as far as the concrete, the LaJoy extension happens today. So Corey LaJoy staying with Spire, a bunch of advancements for that team this year, some decent finishes, Trey, I'm pretty excited about that to see see some legacy, not to pun that from legacy motorsports, but like see a legacy built for quarter of the joy at Spire and continue to improve that team. Yeah, he's he's brought himself up. Uh, you know, we've seen him run towards the front on occasions. He's obviously not a top five, top ten kind of guy every week, but we've seen him have speed and run near the front when needed. Um I was a little interested to see, though, that he made the comment that it's more than a couple of years. I haven't seen details of the contract. So 
I'm thinking it's three, four, five year deal. That's a little interesting. I thought that he could have been a guy that, you know, signs a year or two deal with them. And if he continues to have success, take over one of these bigger name rides that open up over the next few years, you know, we're definitely going to see guys retire here. So obviously Kevin Harvick's retiring that ride's already filled, but then you have Eric Almarola, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin. Like these are guys that are getting up in age that could retire. And I thought maybe he would fill in. Doesn't mean it can't still happen. We've seen it before uh, guys leaving before the end of their contract, but kind of surprised to see such a long-term deal or potentially yeah, long-term deal. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I was expecting to see him with Spire because there's just nothing definitively opening up. But just every one of those drivers that you mentioned, like like Hamlin mentions 60 wins. I think he would forego that goal for himself if he wins the championship this year. I think he's ready to retire at any moment. Um, the only thing missing from his trophy case is another is, is a championship. I'm sorry. Let's not say another one. Um, we're still looking. Um Another, uh, uh, geez, one championship would be nice. Let's let's get that on the record. Um, but I think he's good to retire at any moment. And, and Truex, I think, is in the same boat. I think that he could come back for another year with how well things have gone this year if he didn't get a championship. But I think he's another guy would walk off into the sunset. Um, Eric Almarola, kind of a wild card there. And there's so many rides around for a guy that's been as highly touted as Corey uh, you know, it's kind of being viewed as an underrated driver. I think that it was pretty interesting to see that this is going to be a multi-year extension. But I mean, like you said, stranger things have happened. We saw Tyler Reddick get out of his deal a year early, basically just because of anger <laughs> and, and circumstance. So you never know. Uh, things always seem to work out. But I'm certainly see excited to see Corey LaJoy continuing to race that seven car. And I guess the last piece of news here. Um, very recent for when we're recording this is NASCAR Hall of Fame announcements. Not necessarily my favorite, but a legend, no doubt. Jimmy and Chad go in together as fitting, and then legend Donnie Allison will join them. I honestly would have assumed Donnie was already in, and so that seems overdue. Um, but Jimmy and Chad going in, seven-time champion between the two of them, just legends in their own right, probably – I mean, you could maybe say Evernham, but honestly, doing it in the era that they did with the uh, supervision, I guess, um, from NASCAR, the the tricking out of Chad Knauss is perhaps the most legendary thing of anything I just mentioned, including Donnie, including Jimmy. Chad knew how to set up a freaking race car, deservingly in the Hall of Fame. Jimmy, one of the greatest of all time. Drivers, just a really cool class and deservedly going in together. Yeah, and we talked on this a couple weeks ago when they announced the the candidates for the Hall of Fame, and we we had said that Jimmy and Chad would get in together. I heard during their press conference, uh, I was listening to just a little piece of it on my way home from work today, that four voters did not vote for Jimmy and 11 did not vote for Chad. Kind of hard to not vote for seven-time champions and to have like Double digits not vote for Chad was kind of surprising to me. Um, obviously, they still got in, so we don't have any controversy there. Um, and fitting to see them in together, but should have been unanimous, despite my dislike for both of them. Yeah, and I think that that just plays right into the fact that we're talking about probably the most underappreciated driver of all time, and that's Jimmy Johnson. And then 
coincidentally behind the seats, it would, you know, fall onto Chad Canales because he was his crew chief. The poor guy is a seven-time champion, didn't even get a proper farewell farewell tour because the world shut down. Um, the guy's just he'll forever be underappreciated. Um, we were growing up watching his dominance, and as a kid, you're obviously even more biased than you are as an adult. So sitting there as a Hamlin and Stewart fan, and you know, they are in the mix with Jimmy and seeing Jimmy win all those in a row, you know, you freaking hated him. But I mean, by the end of things and you mature as an adult, watching Jimmy retire to no fans or little to no fans. Um, that was sad um, because the man is a legend. One of the greatest of all time, certainly while uh, being a, I know you're a petty guy. I'm an Earnhardt guy, but to do it in this era to win seven championships, it's hard to argue that he isn't the best of all time just because of the era. And it's, you know, a more competitive, more filled out field. Uh, I still wouldn't say that, but I mean, that argument's out there and valid. Um, so fitting, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for both of those guys and Donnie, who was on the Dale Jr. download recently and gave a very fantastic interview for being an old man. He is very with it, still trapped when it comes to recalling those races. So congratulations to all three of those guys. But Trey, we go to the place of my first NASCAR race, Michigan International Speedway. I'm ready to go. What do you think about the Irish Hills of Michigan? Yeah, this is a good track here. I've been there, I believe, twice, uh, both times, you know, probably over 10 years ago now. Uh, so I don't have as ton of uh, vivid memories as you might have. So I'll kind of let you touch upon your your likes and dislikes at this track, both, you know, track experience and like in the area. Uh, for sure. Um, I, I won't talk too much about my first experience because um, I don't remember so much. I remember sewer blown engine and that kind of ruined my day. But as far as going there, I went there two years ago been there a few times overall uh it's probably my second favorite track to martinsville uh just because i enjoy the short track racing so much but it's a it's a track where you're seeing them go freaking hella fast and you can watch the whole uh race if you get the proper seating so it's a fast track you get to see everything and just kind of take it in but more so than that uh, the amenities at uh at michigan international were, were top tier um i, I did a, a couple different things there I believe it was called the acceleration package. Um, it was very affordable. Um, I know that they offer something similar at pretty much every track, but Michigan really did it right. Um, and as far as my experience going to other races, I felt Michigan, while I would say Martinsville is my favorite track for the racing, the best experience I've had is at, at Michigan. And I know it is considered, you know, the most fun weekend in motorsports or whatever they brand it. It's really a great time um, going up there. And plus you get that Midwest cuisine with the freaking cheese curds. Let's just pause there. That's enough reason to go up there. Uh, and they're at every bar that you go to. Um, phenomenal. But at the track, plenty of amenities. Um, you know, there was a, a tent as a part of that acceleration package, which was very affordable. I believe I did uh, the tickets for me and my dad. It was 400 total. So very affordable. Uh, and you're in there. You get to be right on the pits. Um, you know, you're standing fourth, three or four feet away. Um, from everything and watching them work on the car prior to, to the race. So it was really enjoyable. You know, you do this typical start finish thing. They do that almost everywhere now, if they don't do it everywhere, but I really enjoy my time up in Michigan. I would say I love Mike. I love Martinsville the most, but Michigan is a close second. Um, it always will be a top tier racetrack in my heart because it was my first experience there, but man, I love the Irish Hills. I think it's going to be a great race, but Trey, 
is there any momentum? It's kind of an odd track to break things up. You know, it, it's getting bit, we're going to a bigger track and it's finally a track where I would say it's not a Toyota strong suit right off the bat. So is there any momentum for teams coming into this? So Toyota is certainly, especially JGR, as we mentioned earlier, has certainly had the momentum the last several weeks, pretty much all the summer. They've just been, been the dominant class. So I think that they've killed all the momentum for most teams, but I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier. That Stuart Haas team had a really good weekend last weekend at Richmond. I think that, you know, this is a track that Kevin Harvick's kind of dominated at. So I could see Stuart Haas uh, moving forward and uh, carrying some of that success from last weekend into into this weekend. Yeah, and, and it's always tough previewing these races that, you know, we're in August now. We're in the, you know, the back half of the season, about to go into the playoffs. It's a fantastic track as I, you know, I gushed about five seconds ago, but this is a one date track. So it's hard to preview it because the last time we have racing at Michigan was about a year ago, you know, minus a week. So I'm not exactly sure who's going to bring the best car, but I think the best way to judge who's going to bring a fast race car is obviously look at last year's results, but to also talk about what happened at Fontana and Fontana was a race that Kevin Harvick absolutely had one, um, you know, save that late race caution. Um, you know, he was Harvicking, you know, on the bottom line. He uh, he had that race one. I expect them to be bad fast and no disrespect to Kurt, uh, Kyle Busch because he was definitely fast uh, throughout the day. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, more of a circumstantial win there. Um, not that he didn't deserve it. Um, but I think that this week, Stuart Haas is going to bring some fast cars because they just know how to set it up, especially for that four car. So as we get into our predictions, Trey, I'll let you kick it off. Who do you got winning? this week at Michigan International. I already alluded to it uh, just a couple seconds ago, but I'm going to take Kevin Harvick. He's been the dominant class. I think he has three wins since 2020, six wins overall in his career here. So he's a guy hope, hoping that he gets a win here so that he can at least say he had one during his, his last season and kind of lock himself into the playoffs there and maybe make a late season run. I don't think Stuart Haas has it in them this year to – to be overall competitive in the championship terms, but want to see Kevin get one more. Yeah, I agree. Um, this will be the second time that we match Trey going into picks. I'm also going with Kevin Harvick. If for no other reason that they were super fast last year, they had a good finish at Fontana. And I think that this is just a track that he overall dominates. He's able to get down low. He just reads this track well. He's a veteran. He's obviously in his last year. He's one of the greatest of all times. And if for no other reason, I think this is the one of the last major chances for that group to get a win. Uh, obviously, they won Richmond and Michigan back-to-back last season. And, you know, I mean, they were in the playoffs, obviously, but there wasn't, you know, another win in there for them. So I think this is the last major shot at a win, if for no other reason I'm rooting for it. So I'm going with Kevin Harvick as my winner. Uh, my three of five, I'm going to go with, um, obviously, Harvick. The first, the one car of Ross Chastain, uh, they were fast, the uh, – the track house group was fast at Fontana. They both were in the top five. So I'm going to go with Chastain and then Denny Hamlin, uh, I think had a, had a, had a good shot at beating Harvick last year, sub uh, some pit issues. So add that to the list of the 11's troubles at on pit road over the last 15 years. But I think that they'll also have a fast car this weekend. Yeah, no, I think that those are some good picks. I'm going to continue. We talked a little bit about momentum uh, Brad Kosowski has been running well, so I think he's going to find himself in the top five again. He ran well. You know, we talked about the sister track at Fontana, ran well there the, earlier this year. 
and uh, continue some momentum. And then I'm just going to also take uh, William Byron. I wasn't really sure who else to go with here in the top five. Willie B's run well all year. Don't know if he ran the greatest at Fontana earlier this year, but Chevy as a whole ran well there. So I, I think that they bring some speed and get themselves in the top five. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good pick, but it's also a great point. This is a tough race to pick because, you know, there's just not a lot of tape, especially in the next gen car. Um, but let's get into kind of our, our final wrap up segment here. As we do every week, we do our question. This one comes from the DMs. And we've mentioned Ty Gibbs earlier. So this is a question about Ty Gibbs. I know we've picked him a couple times, Trey, as a, as a long shot potential winner. But does Ty Gibbs get a win in 2023? Good question. I'm going to say no. I've, I know I've mentioned him a couple of times throughout today and past weeks, you know, long shot winner. I guess it wouldn't totally surprise me, but he's a young guy. Rookies don't often win in this sport. Um, it just doesn't really happen. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say the tie has a really good rest of the year. Finds himself in the top five, top 10. I don't think he gets it done though this year. Yeah, I would agree. Save a super speedway kind of Hail Mary win. I don't think it happens. Um, I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened over the last, you know, flaming hot summer stretch from Gibbs when they've been at tracks that they typically dominate. Um, But it's been the guys that typically dominate there that have been at Gibbs for a while. So no disrespect to Ty. Very good rookie season. I think that he has established himself as someone that can confidently be in that 54. Uh, He will be there in the next few years. You know, you know, forget grandpa or whatever. He's looked good. You know, I mean, he he really has looked good, I think. He runs up well. He, he just had his, his highest finish, uh, fifth place a couple weeks ago at Pocono. So I think that he's trending up. I think that he has solidified himself. Uh, you know, as someone that Gibbs can kind of count on for a little while, I think if, you know, if you're looking at like kind of the Nepo baby racers, he's definitely better than what I would say Austin Dillon has done already. I mean, I know he hasn't won yet, but he will. So uh, I don't think he gets it this year, but Ty Gibbs is certainly trending in the right direction. But good question. Always reach out to us, guys. We appreciate us. Uh, you know where to check us out on Twitter. That's at Talking Stock Pod. We want to know where you're rooting from and who you're rooting for. We always appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy Michigan.